Welcome to 360 Real Time, a Steelcase podcast with behind-the-scenes conversations on the research impacting the places where people work, learn, and heal. I'm your host, Katie Pace. Today, we're bringing you a special conversation recorded at ISTE, the International Society for Technology and Education Conference. ISTE is a platform for educators and industry experts to connect with the brightest minds in education and inspire one another. Steelcase Education invited two educators passionate about active learning to share their strategies and techniques at ISTE. Randy Hall is a senior facilitator for educational technology at the Lower Hudson Regional Information Center in New York. He's focused on active learning environments and strategies, as well as innovations in online and blended learning strategies for K-12 students. Dr. Julie Marshall is a South Carolina English teacher at Saluda Trail Middle School. She also serves as an adjunct professor at Winthrop University and is a previous Steelcase Education Active Learning Grant recipient. She consults on the national and state level on teaching through project-based inquiry and active learning. Marshall and Hall sat down to talk to each other about how educators can reimagine and reinvent classrooms to get students and teachers engaged to learn. Let's listen in. Active learning for me is something that has been my passion and practice since I started teaching, really, back in 1986. Active learning involves students in the decision-making process, and it puts so much emphasis on the process instead of the product. It helps students to learn to own their whole process of learning and application and discipline. I love active learning because they become in charge. And as a teacher, my role becomes more of a facilitator than the owner of all the knowledge. We share the knowledge, we learn together, as opposed to me standing up in front of a room lecturing, giving notes, having a textbook that we read a certain assignment on. Students guide themselves. So for me at the Lyric, what became a discovery was we had just revisioned a training facility space at Mm -hmm. uh, the Lyric offices. And it was brand new, and I came on board the team there and was given the opportunity to take it on and turn it into a program and a service because we knew that in our region, the districts and schools in our region of New York were beginning to be curious. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to make sure that as a service agency, we could fill the role of helping be a hub of exploration and discovery and discussion. So my kind of discovery became probing and learning and reading and finding out about all of the different practices in higher ed from the Mm -hmm. last kind of 10 years or so. Right. And then found great joy in stumbling upon, you know, your story in a classroom as a teacher um, from the Steelcase Education Group. And for me, it became a great discovery. And I have found that our schools and leaders are curious. They believe kind of in the value of it. Mm -hmm. But my role is to help them break through the struggles of, well, where do we start? And so it's been kind of a a reigniting for me of a passion of, wow, if I had had a classroom when I was teaching, instead of just showing up and decorating my classroom, I can now have creative freedom to intentionally consider how to use my classroom environment to my advantage. It's not about bulletin boards anymore. Right. That's the key. 
Right. It's not about, as, as young teachers used to come out from colleges of ed, we all came out obsessed with how we were going to do our bulletin boards in our room. What are we going to put on them? Right. And it's so much more than that now. That makes me think, um, sometimes when I'm working with a group, I'll tell them to help the teachers understand why these choices and decisions aren't just decorative or accessory. You know, I would tell the story, well, what we probably all did as a teachers in the past is we get a job with a district, they assign me to a school, they say, you're in room so-and-so. That's right. And I would go there and would sort of say, okay, now I'm going to get down to the business of doing the bulletin boards and decorating, mm-hmm. and then I'll start thinking about planning my instruction. Totally devoid from thinking about how to integrate the choices I make in my room with the choices I'm making in the design of my lesson plans or the design of my lesson activities. And so often it took this frame of reference of, I'm going to do my room in bears. I'm going to do my room in bumblebees. Mm -hmm. And it had absolutely nothing to do with what was going on, the learning in the classroom. And I think it's been really exciting to watch this process evolve as teachers are starting to become more aware of the importance of space. At the Lyric, when teams of teachers or school leaders come by to visit our room because Mm -hmm. they're curious or they want Mm -hmm. me to design a kind of introduction for a group of team, there's always this conversation that happens with teacher groups of, yeah, this is really pretty and fine, and certainly I've been including active engagement strategies with my kids and everything like that. So why am I here and and what are you going to offer me? The opportunity now is to purposely pay attention to the choices I'm making in how I'm using the room in my instructional process. So here you are in this room. What we're going to look at together is why would I make choices to have students start here for a type of activity and then transition to another place in the room? Mm-hmm. for another activity. And so it becomes almost a way I try to help teachers just think about storyboarding your kind of lesson activity. You know, if you have a 50-minute class period, where, do you, where are students going to start? Are they going to be sprinkled throughout the room? And how are they going to move to where you want them to move right. to end where you want them to So if we're going to do a whole group mini lesson, right. is that going to be attention of the whole group with everybody distributed to the classroom? Mm-hmm. Or is that going to be everybody's gathered together in kind of a studio gathering kind of area? And then from that mini lesson, are they then going to need to work in teams of four? Or are they going to break apart to them work together in pairs? And I just try to help teachers make those things explicit because I know that they have them implicitly in their heads, but now is an opportunity to articulate them outwardly and then plan intentional use of the room and the space to facilitate I think so many teachers, yes, because I think so many teachers take for granted the space. I think they just forget about it's there, so... Of course we're going to use the space. Why wouldn't we use the space? One of the things that I've noticed in my classroom that has just been a game changer with the whole active learning experience, and finally, two years ago, I received the furniture. That It's not about the furniture, but the furniture is the tool that enables us to do what we do. It's so beautiful. I have low-level readers in the seventh grade, many of them reading on third and fourth grade levels. And they would come up and 
sitting in desks, sitting in spaces, they weren't interested and they would disengage because you can pretend to read. Mm. But with the active learning environment, I can start them off in their spaces where they come in and we can do a little pre-activity type thing, questioning. Have you ever thought about this or have you ever thought about that? What would you do if you were in this situation? And they all start answering that. And then I'll say, okay, everybody stop just a minute. Roll up and come join me in the front. And they'll roll around me and they'll sit very, very close, almost like first or second graders, Mm. almost on top of each other in their little chairs. And I even have children who will get real close to me and they'll want to just almost like a preschool child sitting in a parent's lap while they read. Those are the children who love the Active Learning Center. Those are the children that need that extra touch, that extra love, that extra embracing and the encouragement. And they get it not only from me, but from each other Mm. when they're close. Whereas if we were doing that shared reading and talking about what we were reading and they're in their table groups or they're in a desk, you don't get that kind of response Mm -hmm. because it's so clinical. In order for learning to come alive, it has to be real. You have to break down all these walls, the walls of the classroom, the walls that they build up inside themselves that bar relationship building. There's so many things that you have to chisel away. And unless you are in that active environment, it's really hard to do that. It's hard to develop that trust and for them to trust each other. And the ultimate is when you have a child trust themselves and actually step out of their comfort zone and try something different. I had a child this year that invented a product and was so excited, had researched a product, researched the need, and he was very much a quiet child, an introvert, and he found a space in the room that he just loved, and it was his space because it made him comfortable. And seeing him work through that struggle work through the questions. That process was difficult for him, but then to come up with a product that he was proud of Mm -hmm. and to see that pride, that's what education is about. And that's why we do this. Your comment earlier about, you know, it's easy to hide in a row and column classroom. Yes. Makes me chuckle at times because I know we've had the experience when adults, because, you know, (laughs) (laughs) When adults walk into our active learning room or training room classroom, again, we get that adult behavior of they pause at the door because they can't find the back row to hide. To hide. Right? Do they try to move the furniture so they can go to the back? It's it's that they come in and they're kind of like at a loss and it's kind of that invitation to sit wherever you're most comfortable. So it's just funny, you know, I'll see them come in and they'll pause at the door and they don't quite know where to sit because there's no back row, because that's what we adults tend to do. Well, I'm going to a teacher training workshop for a half day and I want to maybe not participate fully, so I'll find a comfort hidden place. I can kind of hide and yeah. disengage yeah. and rest and yeah. relax. But children are no different, Randy. It's the funniest thing because in our room, there's no front and back, there's no teacher desk. And they don't have assigned seats. For middle schoolers, this is quite an unusual experience because they're always in assigned seats in every class. And they walk in and they're, what do you mean I don't have a place I have to sit? Mm. 
how are you going to know who I am? Oh, we'll know who you are, darling. We're not about to mm-hmm. let that. But that, where it scares adults, it empowers children. Mm. Because when they can pick their seats, when they can decide where they're going to sit and who they're going to sit with, again, they start working toward that student ownership of learning. It's just another piece in that big puzzle. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of curious from your perspective, where do you see, uh, you know, what's going to be the role of new learning spaces in public education in like 10 to 15 years? If we are going to be true to our mission, if we are going to be true to the vision set out many, 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 many years ago by our educational pioneers, we are going to have to work toward reaching and meeting the needs of our students today. Society has changed. We are not an industrial society. We're not a rural society growing. The needs of education are different. If we're gonna produce those learners that are going to be workers one day, then we are going to have to modify the way we do what we do. And it's uncomfortable to think about for some of us. Some of us love change, but it's a very uncomfortable thing because it makes us question our practice. Mm -hmm. And questioning our practice means that we have to question personally who we are and what we are doing and why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And in revealing why we're doing it, our motives might not be as lofty as they started at one point in our careers. And I think that makes people uncomfortable. Mm. It makes me uncomfortable to think about. But this is the process that we have to go through to get to where we need to be. Mm -hmm. And I think active learning is the beginning of this whole movement. Yeah, it's, it's, it's curious to me because I know in my, in the territory of New York that I'm based, a lot of our school buildings and district buildings, you know, are the, the 60s and the 70s right. buildings. And I'm just kind of curious about, so what's going to happen to those physical buildings? Is it going to be a shift to new capital expansion projects in districts? Is it going to be a total kind of gutting renovation of existing structures? Or is it going to be a pastiche of... Uh, pilot projects and prototypes and teachers doing things kind of at the ground level on their own in the space? Are the lockers going to come down in the hallways and hallways turned into different kinds of spaces? And I just kind of am wondering, is there going to be a day when, you know, any learning environment in classroom is going to be open and transparent and it's going to be more of that learning community kind of environment instead of the hallway of the closed doors? I think that shift is going to have to take place within. I do not think that the way to make this kind of shift is going to be a legislated kind of shift Mm. in thinking. I think it's going to come about slowly, gradual. People are going to, depending on their level of comfort, step out and do different things. So often, Teachers are told, this is the way that you need to do it. This is the way our district is going to follow, and you're going to follow the same thing. And if we are going to truly make learning valuable for our students, and we are going to empower students to take ownership of their learning, then we have to step up and take ownership of our classroom, and that includes the space. I know there are parameters. I'm not advocating a radical movement for all teachers to get up and go out there and, you know, 
set your class on fire and get rid of everything. But I think it's very critical that teachers analyze and reflect and return to where we always go back to is that vision. Mm -hmm. What is your vision? Why are you here? We ask kids, well, why are you here? If you're not doing your work, why did you come to school today? Well, wouldn't it be interesting if a student just looked back at a teacher and said, why are you here? Because you're doing the same thing you did yesterday, the same way you did it. I think that's a real powerful mm. question. And when you get down, I call it getting down and getting dirty with yourself, those are the answers that are going to create the change. That was Randy Hall and Dr. Julie Marshall. To learn more about active learning and how active learning spaces can help, visit steelcaseeducation.com. You can also find more 360 real-time conversations and recent articles on 360.steelcase.com.